Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I am what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. It is episode seven. Here recording Sunday Sunday morning now for a change. Wow. Right now it's right before noon on uh, Sunday, May 9th. Uh, pretty exciting stuff we're going to cover today, but first I want to start with Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to any mother listeners. Mom, I hope you're listening. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, Happy Mother's Day. And, and we know she's actually out, out of the country right now. So, right. yeah, so she's... Safe, safe travels. So she's listening internationally. But, uh, yeah, no, no, what a great day it is. Um, we want to cover, of course, kind of the stuff that we've seen in the past week with the Major League Baseball. So some of the things, of course, we want to touch on are, um, first, by starting off with kind of the legend of the pitchers and the legend of John Means of the Baltimore Orioles. What a crazy week he had. Um, want to talk, of course, about the Astros and the Yankees series. Maybe some other series that happened in, in uh, Major League Baseball this week as well. And then, of course, the biggest news of the week with the Angels releasing the future Hall of Famer, future maybe unanimous Hall of Famer, it could be Albert Pujols. But I'll start with you, Alex. Yeah. Basically, we'll start with kind of the pitching staff. And like we always do, the pitching of, uh, of 2021 so far. And um, let's start with the guy that's, Almost shocked the world and shocking, you know, the A at least right now, and that is Mr. John Means. Right, yeah. So his no hitter, um, it, it was obviously such a dominant performance, but the the thing that really stands out is that the thing that kept it from a perfect game was a drop third strike, which allowed a runner to reach base, and I believe he was thrown out trying to steal. So yes. it was still twenty seven up, twenty seven down, and I if I remember correctly, I saw a stat saying. First guy to go 27 up, 27 down, get the uh, only a no hitter with no walks, no. It was, yeah. it was really, yeah, yeah no yeah. no walks, no hit by pitch. It's pitches, kind of a shame. No yeah. errors. Yeah. Just yeah. Very, really weird scenario. But um, yeah, obviously, his. Not only, see, and the thing is, up until this last, this last outing by him, he was sort of like putting together like an all star sort of season. Like he was yes. leading in a lot, of, like, a lot of stats for his team. Um, definitely probably the Orioles favorite to be an all-star up until that performance and now all of a sudden he's just jumped up right now in baseball reference war he is a first among pitchers with 2.3 which is a really high number for this early in the season and amongst all position players in baseball reference war he's second only behind Buxton who Buxton sort of being the MVP candidate right now that he is means is right behind him he's ahead of guys like DeGrom He's ahead of like guys like Woodruff. Um, Means is 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 putting together a great year. Well, what do you think about his outing, Travis? Yeah, I mean, what what an impressive way to kind of you know start the month of May after you know having a tremendous April, uh, and and even going against the team like the Seattle Mariners. Of course, uh, Seattle right now is above five hundred. They're playing ex- yep. excellent baseball. So we're not like we always say we're, they're not playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think that's kind of a, a joke we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks now because. We don't expect the Pittsburgh Pirates to be anything special this year. But, you know, pitched against the Seattle Mariners, 
um, just a tremendous job. And, and, and you know, it, it, looking back at that, I kind of want to discuss with you, you know, when it comes to perfect games, because there are things that, you know, you look at in perfect games. And, you know, if, if, if you're not giving up a hit and you're also not giving up any walks, I mean, you think about you, you can't be more perfect than that. And it just yeah. it, it's a topic I want to talk with you about, because when it comes to errors and things you can't control as a pitcher, you know, drop third strike gets by the catcher. Really, you can't do anything as, as a pitcher. I mean, you did your job. You struck the guy out. Right. And it's just unfortunate. That maybe the catcher couldn't have blocked it or it tipped off the glove. And you are saying, man, like I was literally like a couple inches from a perfect game because you would have blocked it or you would have caught it. Um, take me what what your thought process on on, on all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely good food for thought because it's really unfortunate seeing a pitcher put together a, a an outing that is as good as any perfect game in terms of you know the stuff and what he was able to do on the mound. But you know something else on the team is what keeps it from being a perfect game. It has to be a no hitter instead. That's always really frustrating to see. But I think it's really hard to try to make a way around it because. If you start expanding the rule of a perfect game to include when a position player makes an error or a pass ball turns into a you know a guy taking first base on a third strike, um, you start including those things into perfect game uh, territory, then all of a sudden you're, you're looking at a game where a pitcher could lose and get a perfect game, which that obviously seems like there's something not right about it. Um, how perfect could it be if obviously the pitcher did great, but uh, you know. I think the idea is that perfect game implies like no men reached base. And it's very unfortunate that sometimes, you know, a pitcher could uh, do absolutely everything they can to prevent runners from getting on base. And yet the defense or the catcher sort of makes the mistake that allows a guy to reach base. Uh, that's why it's a team game, I guess. Um, what do you think? Uh, do you have any uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I was I was thinking back kind of to other you know perfect games or other no hitters, and it's it's almost for me you know a no hitter is something that a pitcher can definitely control because he's given up no hits. Yeah, a perfect game I feel like is one of those things where it's not only the pitcher that got it, it's the team that got it because they made the routine plays. They made and you look at almost every perfect game that you see out there. There's always one like web gem that has yeah. to happen for it to happen. I I, I think back at Mark Burley. And, and Dwayne Wise robbing right. that home run. And you're thinking, Burley got the perfect game, but really the team and Dwayne Wise pretty much put Burley on his back and said, I'll, I'll go make that play for you. Right. And so perfect games, you know, that, that's why they're so rare is because you can't, as a pitcher, you cannot give up a hit and you cannot give up a walk and the defense can't give up an error. Right. So, so the whole team has to be clicking. And so perfect games to me are, that, 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 that's why it's a rare class and a rare kind of, uh, you know, feat to accomplish. So, so yeah, we, we agree that, you know, they're rare and that's, um, you know, on the average year, you would not expect to see one. Obviously, it's only been such a small amount in, in the history, not 150, 150 year history of the league. But Travis, there's been currently four no hitters this season and we are, but Incredible. we are, but like six, six weeks in about. And I, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, some of these, some of these uh, no hitters were only, uh, not perfect games because hit by pitches because of drop third strikes. So Travis, do you think that this rare perfect game feat, do you think it could happen this season? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the trends are all moving in the right direction. Um, it's, it's almost, it's, it's just a thing you can, you can definitely look at. And I think with, with these trends, like I was saying, a perfect game is almost like uh, it's on the cusp. It's on the edge of happening, right. but it's, it's, it, it's exciting to kind of almost see it it's, coming. It's probably the same odds as almost every season though. It's, it's just, it's one yeah. of those things you can't really say like, Oh man, the, 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 the ball is maybe a little bit different this year. And, and the ball actually has changed 
from years past. Right. The, the, That's the, one thing that they're talking about in in, uh, in sports. Right. The, the dead and ball is for sure making the run scoring environment way lower. I think tons of pitchers are having like career lows for like just hits allowed per nine and stuff like that. Yes. Um, yep. So with that kind of factored in, if you have a good defense behind you and you're allowing like a really low hits per nine, you just get lucky one day. And if the defense and the catcher are sharp, then you, you got you got it. So Yeah. And, and, and even a couple of days ago, we saw Shamanaya for the Oakland A's take a no hitter into the eighth. And it, it seems like almost on a weekly basis, you're getting that alert on your phone or you're watching TV and you're getting that alert that so-and-so has a no-hitter or perfecto through six innings or seven right. innings, and it's just like, okay, this is like a, this is like a normal thing now. Bump Gardner it, had the no-hitter through seven. Yeah, exa- exactly. Which, which kind of, that kind of gets forgotten about since there's been so many other no-hitters since then. Exactly, but. exactly. And so th- th- that's why the, the trends are definitely pushing that a perfect game is right. going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be exciting. And, and I, I guarantee – I guarantee this will not be the last no hitter of the year. Right, I, I'm I mean, guaranteeing it right yeah, now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I which, per- which is pretty, pretty bold of me to say. Right, but in in in, in a normal season, that'd be that'd be that'd be super, uh, you know, outlandish. But like like just the recent Wade Miley no hitter, he was going up against um, uh, Plesac, Zach Plesac. I believe and, so. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. And Plesac had I think allowed three hits through eight. I want to say. And like, okay, obviously that's not a no hitter, but like, you know, that's a few small pitches away from you know being in the conversation. And, and could you imagine like pitchers dueling no hitters like through eight, like that 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 been like that would have really kind of put the whole season into perspective about like this dead and ball. And yeah. I do wonder if they're gonna revert it back to a little more juice next season because. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's super exciting seeing these pitchers do their thing, but also at the other time, I feel like offense is what's really exciting. Um, but yeah, you know what, guys like Shohei Otani and JD Martinez are saying, "What what dead ball? We're we're yeah. doing just fine right at, now." At the and same so time, like last night, Travis, there's an Angel Dodger game that it's fourteen to eleven. So even though the ball is dead, it's like you can hit you can hit teams to death still. Exactly, exactly. You can still hit little dumper singles. You could still hit bloopers that get down in the gap, or or even little you know nub shots over the the third base or first baseman that kind of stuff. But right. Yeah. No. It, it it is it is really. Really extraordinary to see that kind of stuff and the way that we've seen this season um, go out so far and just the all the no hitters and all the no hitters through seven or six innings. We, I mean, I, I think we've already seen like ten games where you've had pitchers it through like, six or seven with it no. It seems no like every other, it seems like every other day it's like an, yeah. an alert, like someone to watch no hitter late in the game. Yeah, so we'll see, and then we'll definitely see how that transpires throughout the season. And you know, as we get you know deeper in, and you know, some of these pitchers are getting a little bit more, you know little less you know fresh and are you know going through the dog days of august and that kind of stuff you know what is you know what, what, what are we going to see from all that kind of stuff but no i mean a perfecto is on the edge on the cuffs right now of happening so uh really looking forward to that but you know moving forward to kind of the next thing i want to talk about we you know we kind of wrapped it up in last last week's show but uh astros yankee series right give me kind of a thought on that because i know i was actually able to watch uh the beginning of game one and I know you aren't there, but on the TV screen, you can hear. Right. You can. You I, can I know the cameraman the and, and, and the people and the doing chance. the audio for the Yankees or for, I think it was ESPN, they knew they had to get their audio ready because it was going to be something special. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine being at Yankee Stadium uh, if, if you're working security or if you're working, you know, behind the scenes. I, I can't imagine trying to prepare and like, you know, we got to be ready for a fight to break out. We got to be ready for people to be throwing stuff on the field. I think I saw someone had like a fake trash can that was going to get thrown off the field. Yes. Got yes. confiscated. So it, it, it's just it's just kind of crazy to think that, you know, so many measures have to be put in place because 
the Astros are this hated in a lot of uh, big baseball cities in, in L.A., of course, in New York, um, amongst other cities that, you know, had to go through them in the 2017-2018 uh, era. I, I knew Dusty Baker said he mentioned every place we've been, we've received booze. So it's that right. it doesn't matter if it's it's the Pittsburgh Pirates or yeah. it's or it's the Baltimore Orioles. We're going to receive booze just because right. of, you know, baseball and, and the fans want, of course, you know, pass the tradition along to the new city that the Astros go into. But. Uh, you know, it, it was incredible seeing that the last time these two teams met was Game Six, ALCS. Altuve walks it off against yeah. Chapman, sends the team to the World Series. Whenever you hit a walk off to send your team and win the pennant, I, I just feel like it, it's kind of a moment in time that's just like, oh yeah, it, it, it's it, a it, screenshot. It, and it it's goes back to the Giants Dodgers uh, shot heard heard around the world back right. in the '50s yeah. when a guy wins the pennant because they just have that same. That same just, you know, feeling because it's like you just sent your you didn't win the World Series. You sent your team to the World Series, which I think is is yeah. I mean, that, that's a definitely a, a crazy feeling. But going back, seeing that replay, seeing Altuve round third come home and holding his jersey tight. Yep, yep. It, it, it just it, you can't. There's so much there. You that have to just, smile and just kind of yeah. like it's it's definitely very, very exciting. And of course, it, you know, it, as a baseball fan, you're kind of just like, oh, my goodness, like it's. It's 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 really cool to see kind of that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and, and then he hits he hits the home run, of course, uh, during the series to win a game for his team. I think the only game the Astros won was on the hands of a Altuve homer. It was the Altuve game three? Yep. And I remember Dusty Baker was like kind of shaking him in the dugout, like just kind of getting him hyped up and kind of letting Dusty kind of letting Jose know that you know he's got his back, even though every single person of the fans is just unleashing terror on Altuve and and and, yes, and the yep. rest of the 2017 squad that uh, is still around. But like you said, like that that rounding third coming home uh, moment by Altuve in the in the 2019 Game Six ALCS, that that that's just a moment that I really wonder when will when and if we will you know know the full details of what was happening in that game in that yes, series yep. if the cheating was happening in 2019. It's just a super loaded sort of uh, moment, and I think it's just a big cloud of mystery. And most people are not inclined to give Altuve and the Astros the benefit of the doubt based on 2017, which makes total sense. Uh, yeah. And yep. then, but just the, the 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 kind of mysterious nature of it, and then he lies and or he says he has a tattoo, and he ends up showing off that he does have a tattoo that he didn't want to get revealed. That's all so weird and so out of you know. It's hyping to the drama, the story, which is. It, it's, yeah, it's it's almost so you, bizarre. It's almost what baseball kind of needed, and, and it's definitely kind of a storyline, and 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 it, it gets people that aren't really baseball fans into into kind of the mix, and so I think that's what's very exciting about it all. I really don't. Have, I mean, I know me and you. I really don't have any comment with it because we are Angel fans, and so we really don't really care because it's like you know what? I mean, we we in that twenty seven world twenty seventeen World Series, we were definitely rooting for the Astros oh. to go because of course you know. For, you know, cross rival Dodgers. We just really don't want to see them win, and so yeah. We, Travis and I were were sort of pulling to be you know Astros fans twenty seventeen through twenty nineteen. Probably, I would say like w you know we wanted them to win, to win some big series, but you know after the twenty nineteen into twenty twenty off season when all that stuff came out, it just like there's just so many like so many like mixed emotions and like uh you know these guys deserve the booze and they deserve you know all the hate and you know when they go into New York New York City and they go into Bron the Bronx and they kind of get like you know just like they, 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 the fans just unleash terror on them and like you know I, I I cannot tell any fan that that that's not their right like this team quite possibly cheated the Yankees from a World Series appearance and they quite possibly cheated the Dodgers from winning a World Series so uh that's completely in their right and I can't wait to see an Astros at Chavez Ravine coming, definitely coming up soon that and it's it's just it's a fun 
it's a fun scene and a fun you know experience for any baseball fan just to see and be a part of that because you know we really haven't seen this kind of stuff before I, I know the Dodgers and the Padres you know series is kind of shaking up to be kind of a really cool rivalry but this is almost just like a a, a heated rivalry where bad blood is there and you know yeah it, you know we're, we're looking for people to get you know in you know bean by pitches and that kind of stuff so It'll be very exciting. And what was really cool to see in that game three of the series was, you know, Garrett Cole starting for the Yankees, you know, being a part of those Astros right. classic teams. And so um, not the 2017 team, but 18 and 19. And to see Garrett Cole pitch did really well. Bullpen, of course, had to uh, kind of give up the, the runs. And that's where Altuve had that big home run. I think it was in the eighth inning that pretty much put them on the uh, on, on the on the Virgin. Pretty much they made them win the game. But uh Looking at that series, one guy that I that stood out and was kind of having a breakout series was Giancarlo Stanton. Oh yeah, he's another guy like Shohei and Martinez. What dead ball, you know? Yeah, yeah. So he it, it was very very you know at least as a baseball fan, you see this guy who is a superstar in Miami he comes to New York. He is you know hurt every season with something kind of like kind of like with Judge. Yeah, and it's nice to at least see him kind of break out and maybe he can kind of get that going into. Uh, you know something, something special, and you know as we see, the Yankees are kind of starting to roll a little bit now. The team's starting to click a little no, bit. Yeah, I think so f- for a stretch of the a Bronx seven, Bombers are back a little right. for, for right now. Yeah, for a stretch of about seven games or so, I think he was batting like five hundred, which is just really crazy. And he, he was just, he was, you know, it was just like almost like an incredible amount of base hits he was hitting, which is yep. just not his usual, you know, uh, game plan. No, they bring him, they bring him up for one reason, one reason right. only and RBIs, home runs. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think they batted him second a few times and that just is kind of a tricky, yep. kind of a tricky, like, you know, you would not really think to do that with Stanton and it totally worked. And you, you kind of adjust his mindset to be like, okay, you know, let's, let's keep, let's keep the runners moving. Let's put the ball in play. Let's not just swing for the fences because his strikeout rate is always super high year in, year out. Um, He's like almost a contender, you would might think, if he stays healthy to like potentially break a strikeout record, like all time strikeouts, if he if he kind of you know w- played into his later years, but and 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 kept those games played really high, but yeah, he's he's been super impressive. He's almost kind of emerged into I wouldn't say MVP talks yet, but he's certainly like he's he's making a case, and if he could continue and kind of be the best player on the Yankees, because Lemayhew kind of taking a step back a bit, um, if if, yep. if if Stanton could be like their offensive guy, you know, he will be in the talks at the end of the season. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how he, he kind of finishes up with this season. Um, I, I feel like right now he's kind of having that Yankee moment. I know last year had a great postseason, but the Yankees didn't want to, you know, they didn't do what they wanted to accomplish last year. And, you know, losing in the division series as a Yankee fan, that's unacceptable, especially right. kind of in a shortened season. You it's, kind of expect we, we got to, especially against the Tampa Bay Rays, your, your little brother, you know, yeah, you got to be beating that kind of team, and, and and they, and I'm sure they would have loved to face the Astros again, and then they'd love to go to the World Series since they've had a drought, probably one of the longer droughts they've had in a long time. So, yep, they, yep, they definitely. definitely, the fans know that it's you know it's championship or bust for them, and that's super respectable mindset. And so maybe this year could be their year in the AL, but we'll have to wait and see. Yes, we will. And so, moving kind of to the big meat patty of this podcast today's yeah. show, and that is going to be. The elephant in the room, yeah. and that is the Angels release Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. Me and Alex, we will we 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 agree on this one a lot. We you'll see in the show later in the year, you'll see you'll see us disagree on a lot of things. Yeah. But this thing at least we agree on because as true Angel fans, you know, watching this guy from day one to now, we we look at this, we look at this, you know, this deep we look at, you know, what happened the last couple of days, and it might be surprising, but for me and him. We're actually pretty happy about this. 
right. me your thought on this one, Alex, right now as we as we kind of move into this section. Okay, yeah. So I guess where I want to start is the reason for the departure of Arapulos from the Angels organization. Uh, essentially, it's my understanding that GM Perry Manassian and his group of you know analytics people that he has hired into the, the the new faces he's brought into the front office. That group of people essentially told Joe Madden that they want to see Jared Walsh, who's having an absolute hot start this year, playing one B every day, which is one hundred percent correct. Which is yep. correct. That is the absolute move on an offense and defensive standpoint. He's exactly what we need. He is also a left-handed hitter, which is perfect for the middle of our lineup because we have a lot of talented righties. Um, couple that with the fact that Shohei Otani is going to be a DH day in, day out because he's a pitcher. We don't want him to get injured in the field if we try him to play right field or something. So we want him to DH night in, night out. And he is 100% re- reserved and earned that DH spot. Oh, yeah. And if leading you, you want to bench him, then tie for the lead in home runs, and you're going to put Pools instead. No, that's then not you're going to get you're going to have bigger problems to you know, right. the bigger things to face. So, so, so I guess the core of the issue is that the Angels management was essentially telling our coach, we want those two guys playing one B and DH every day, day in day out. If that means our Pools is going to be on the bench, then that's what we that's what's gonna that's what's gonna have to happen, and. Uh, Pools got benched in one of the Rays games against uh, Yarbrough, who I think he has really Yarbrough's good a lefty, yep. really good career numbers against Yarbrough, kind of a slow-throwing lefty. I guess Albert likes the matchup a lot. When he heard that he was sitting, he was upset, apparently. And I believe he and uh, general manager Perry Manassian, uh, they, I guess they sat down and had a long discussion. And essentially, uh, when he, Albert was told, you're going to get less of a role going forward, Albert said, I can be a day-in, day-out day starter. Um, if you're not going to give me that opportunity, I'd like to have the opportunity somewhere else. And they kind of mutually agreed Albert should depart. So I think the meat of the issue here, Travis, is we disagree with Albert about what he is capable of. 150%. And so, so, so why don't you get into that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I'll, and it's, I'll go back. We'll go back to when I was a freshman in high school and I received the news one, I forget, one December morning. Angels have signed Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson to a contracts that are more than five years. Yeah. Looking at the, at the Pools contract, 10 years, I think it was about 245 to 260 million. I, have ne- I never heard or seen that kind of money before. I, you know, when, they, when they showed the stats about it, they showed only Alex Rodriguez has gotten a bigger contract. And so yeah. I was like, holy cow. This guy is just like a superstar. Just off the World Series, went with the Cardinals. Three homer game in Texas. Literally just destroyed... Texas in you know in that World Series and so I was like took Man, over yeah we can't beat the Texas Rangers the past couple of years because they have an elite you know rotation they have an elite roster and we get this guy that just literally hurt them I mean let's go I mean we're yeah. gonna have a group of guys that are literally and, and we just took their best pitcher CJ Wilson totally right yeah fast forward you know I actually won't fast forward yet <laughs> and so looking, again looking at that I you know was incredibly incredibly happy with us finally getting that big splash, that big signing to pair with some of our younger guys that we had. And you know what? He was only 31, 32 when he signed the deal. I think back then all of us were thinking, at least I was thinking, Artie, I think, is definitely pushing for a World Series championship in these next three to five years. Because the next, the, 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 late, the, the latter half of his career, the last five years, he's going to be over 35, 36 years old. 
I don't think he's going to be really, you know, producing that much. And so I'm expecting this contract to just, it's so much money because we, he wants to be, you know, a long-term agreement, but I'm, I'm only expecting this to be a five-year kind of production deal. And that's kind of what we saw. We saw 2012 to pretty much 2015, where he was doing, you know, pretty productive numbers, you know, was an all-star in 2015, helped us get to the playoffs and have the best record in the AL in 2014. But, you know, looking at it from 2016 on, me and you both agree. I mean, this guy was in a total decline mode. I mean, you right. saw it with the plantar fasciitis early in his career with the Angels. You saw this guy couldn't even walk on certain games. And it was just like, he's limping to first base. I know people have seen this guy hit for probably 10 years, the last 10 years. And you know, running down the first base line, I, I, I think you honestly... I think I think we can beat that. I think I think most Angel fans watching him get into a double play think, okay, I could have put more pressure in the defense there to make a good throw, and you know, the, the lack of hustle down the, down the first baseline always stuck out to us as like, okay, this guy's getting paid how much money to do this? Like exactly, exactly. It's it's all it's all money ball, and this guy's getting paid this much money to do this, and so kind of summing it all up, I mean, it was a move that was completely one hundred percent necessary. The media, other fans of other organizations, you know, they give Trout so much grief for not making the playoffs. You right. say you are, you know, you, you look at basketball and you look at the best players in basketball, they're making the playoffs, you know, even in football as well. You look at baseball, it's a different story. Yep. Some of the best of all time have never won a World Series. And right now you have Trout, who's really on a struggling team ever since 2015, have not really been relevant when it comes to being in a wild card or being in a division, you know, division, you know, champions. And so looking at this, I, I, I it's, it's really frustrating because people were saying, you know, what are you doing? Like our pools is a living legend. Why would you do that? But I think with everyone kind of giving trout the hate for, you know, not making the playoffs, this was a big reason why you're overpaying some guy that's making 27 plus million dollars a year and producing like a $500,000 salary player. He's producing like a minor leaguer. Yeah. And even a minor leaguer, if he hit a chopper to shortstop or second, he's probably running down that line because he's trying to make a squad. Pools is just jogging, just yeah. walking. And so it, it's, and I, it's just a really tough situation with, with everything because, you know, the respect for him. And I, I listened to some other radio shows this past week, and, you know, this guy is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably going to get 95% of the vote, could even get 97 you can even see unanimous because the first 10 years, first 11 years in St. Louis are ridiculous. The guy, this guy was already a Hall of Famer when he left St. Louis. Yeah. And was possibly could have been a top three, one of the best right-handed batters of all time, just with the numbers he was putting up. And so it's, it's, just, it's, just a, it's a sucky situation, but it had to be done. Yeah. I was, the motions were so weird because it was so sad, but it was, so, it was a relief that I don't have to see Grounded old plays so much anymore. I don't have to see this Charles, happen I, I, so much. Every single time Albert was up with a man in first or first and second with an out or two outs, we just kind of knew a ground ball is a highly likely scenario here. And uh, for those that don't know, Albert Pools does lead the MLB all time and grounded into, grounded into double plays. And we just kind of, you know, it was almost like, uh, a nightmare just like okay albert's coming up in this scenario this is not what we want uh, i'll kind of walk uh, the listeners through what he was putting up this season he had a couple series where he actually was highly impactful i would say i would say the last 10 games he was against the astros against the astros against the rangers right. he was putting up some I, I was like wow he's actually 
right now, I don't really care about his average. I think right now his only helpful asset tool to the team is home runs and RBIs. That's basically what I look at him. And so he was actually putting up a good, you know, good series against those teams in Texas. But continue with kind of the numbers with, with uh, you know, the season so far. Yeah, so he actually was uh, ended up batting. I think he had a really... Uh you know, less than desirable, less than desirable performance against the Rays. It put his average below the 200 mark. He was batting 198 at the time when Angels let him go. On base percentage at 250, slugging at 372 for an OPS of 622. That's a 72 OPS plus. That is significantly below average for a guy you're paying 30 mil and a guy who's playing first base and probably making some errors there as well. Um, According to uh, according to Fangraphs, he only uh, was walking three point three percent of his at bats, which is a career low by quite a bit. He kind of swinging away, lots of swings and misses. Uh, he is pretty good at avoiding strikeouts throughout his whole career. He's not a big strikeout guy, but he puts the bat on ball so much. And even though he makes hard contact, oftentimes on the ground, right into the shift, the shift really hurts him because he hits up the middle or right to the shortstop most of the time. So that shift. Uh, gets him to go into double plays all the time. Uh, I think it was a, a necessary move to not only remove his bat from the lineup, but also the defense. I, I saw a video this morning today, actually, Travis, where Jose Iglesias currently has eight errors on the year, and six of them are plays that involve Albert, either missed missed picks uh, on a throw in the dirt. Like, you know, sometimes, sometimes Iglesias will make a diving diving catch, pop up, gun the ball, he didn't make a spot-on throw. It was a, a short hop. But Albert, you know, maybe a guy like Jared Walsh can pick that. And Albert was missed the pick multiple times. Another play. Uh, and and to, to add on that, we, we've seen Walsh. I mean, we've seen this guy do the splits when he does stretching. I mean, oh, yeah. Pujols is, is at an age now where he can't do the splits. Yeah. And so you see a little more athleticism out of a younger guy. And that's what the biggest thing is, is just even having more of an athlete, a younger presence out there is going to mean so much more. He's going to be able to get down the line. But yeah, please, sorry, please continue. And, and the, the the one play, in, uh, not in Toronto, against Toronto down in Florida, uh, where there was a ball hit to Pujols. He lobs it over in a kind of a weird slow way to Iglesias. And then Iglesias ends up throwing the ball away. Iglesias is credited with two errors on that play in one play. And it's because Albert kind of fields the ball, lobs it to Iglesias, and Iglesias has to make a rush throw and also miss the second base because of that kind of weird kind of slow lob he did. Is it fair to like credit those errors to Albert instead? Probably not. But it's just kind of interesting to see how, you know, Iglesias is a defender who we like to think um, had a lot of upside, at least for kind of the vision of like, okay, we're going to get some ground ball pitchers and have really good infield defense. I think Pujols defensively as well was bringing the team's infield defense down a lot more Mm -hmm. than people might think. Just missing picks, you know, being worse on double plays. And Travis, it's funny, the game after Albert Pujols was let go, Jared Walsh, as our ball hit hard down the line, he got it on the short hop. He tags with first base, and being a lefty, he can, in one motion, just gun it down to second base, and I believe Iglesias made the tag. That was super great to see, and I immediately thought to myself, Albert Pujols would not be making that same play. He did not have the, not quick, not that, not the quickness, and like I guess the uh, decision-making, I just don't see that happening. Um, so I guess all in all, there's a lot of good reason to let go of Albert. And for those who kind of maybe you know still question it, he's a negative 0.5 baseball reference war, negative 0.3 fangrafts war. No matter how you kind of slice it, he is performing below league average and in some cases below replacement level, which implies that 
a minor leaguer essentially would be doing what he's doing, if not better. So if you look at those numbers, to me, it makes total sense to let him go. It gives us an extra bench spot so we can have someone like a Jose Rojas or someone like a Taylor Ward, and they can come onto the team. They can sort of try to improve their production because we know at this point, Albert's not getting better. He's getting worse. So we can bring in a minor leaguer. We can try to get them to uh, be an impactful bench piece, whereas Albert was kind of a guy demanding starting time and we just knew we didn't have a spot for him so no it, it made yeah. too much sense to let him go no it did and, and you know one thing i will point out too is because for it, it almost made too much sense to let him go and, and the reason that you know people can back that up is you look at the advanced advanced stats which a lot of people do the numbers are just it, it almost hurts your eyes to look at it for some of the advanced stats mm-hmm. you look at even the normal stats you know batting average home runs that kind of stuff they're definitely declining and they're declining by a lot yeah. And then you just do the the classic eyeball test. You just you just watch the player. You're an Angels fan. You're watching him play and you're just looking at like what what is what is going on? Why, why is this guy, you know, why, why is he not beating out a hard ground ball? I mean, we've seen Trout in the end of August. I think it was 2019. It was the end of August. Angels are 10 games out. No chance in in, in no chance to even, you know, make a playoff push. And I remember in Oakland, Trout hit a ground ball to shortstop, and he beat out that ground ball. And everyone was like, this guy is incredible. Like, his heart is so big. It beats for baseball, yeah. Because he wants, he, to, win. He, he wants to win. And he's beating out ground balls in the middle of August. I mean, it, it, it just, it, it's, it's sad to see this kind of guy go because, like I said, Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever put on a jersey. And it's just, it, it's definitely, it's definitely a really, you know, interesting way to kind of let this thing go. I mean, me and Alex have been discussing, I mean, we probably would have let released this guy back in 2016 because his numbers were so bad. And, and you look at kind of the, the contracts, you know, the contract that he signed with the Angels, he was getting paid more in the end. Going to 2016, he was getting paid $25 million. Every year after that, he gets an, a $1 million increase to his salary. Right. He's getting a bonus. He's getting a raise every year to get worse and so every year slowly and so this season he was getting paid 30 million dollars the most he's ever been paid in his career the most he's ever been paid um with his with his you know stint with the angels and looking at kind of the the numbers the war war is actually a really good you know really good stat for this because it's it's really kind of providing the value as you are every season ever since 2015 albert pujols has not had a war over one in a season. That's in a season. Yeah. It's always been 0. 0.3, 0. 0.2, or negative 0. Yeah. 0.1, 0. 0.2. He has been hurting the team the last two seasons more than helping. You look at a triple-A guy or even some double-A guys, they're probably putting up the same numbers, if not better, and they're actually going to be athletic to be running out ground balls and that kind of stuff. And they're going to be improving. It, the, the, they those, are, those you're reps, right. Those reps will help, whereas the reps for Albert, he's, he's, you know, he's, it's only down from there. Charles, I think I want to get into a bit of uh, a lot of talk about a guy like Tony Larusa saying Albert has lots of promise in the league still. If he says he's still got juice left, then I believe him. But then Larusa La said something about how, but we're not a good fit for him. And while I do agree that White Sox have plenty of first baseman and DH candidates, um, th- there's there is no use for him on that team. There's still kind of this attitude amongst like the old time uh, baseball uh, baseball. I guess uh, managers and uh, analysts, and thinkers as well, and, yep. and and former players like uh, Big Poppy, like uh, Pedro Martinez, both very vocal in Albert's favor. A lot of these people are saying he needs to land somewhere else. He's still got something left, and I just want to kind of, I just kind of want to say, Travis, isn't it kind of odd that like 
all these people are saying, oh, yeah, he's still got it left, but who's going to actually sign him? And so do you have any thoughts on that? Like, I'm just trying to think if if he has so much left and he has so much to prove, like, I'll be surprised if someone offers him more than a million dollars a year. Like, Yeah, 100 percent. I, I, I the, the rumors that we've been hearing that I've heard are and it's just crazy. I, I've, you know, you heard St. Louis Cardinals, which would be a crazy, just a great reunion. But right now, I don't think that's even appropriate because the Cardinals are first place in NL Central. They have Goldschmidt at first base. They do not have a DH. Right, and they, they, we all know that he. The whole reason he's leaving is because he thinks he can be an everyday starter. So you're not going to go to a team with Goldschmidt and no DH. You, the only team that wouldn't have possibly a spot is someone like maybe a Tigers, and he could like DH for the Tigers. It, 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 it would have to be an AL ball cl- a ball club, and, and you know you heard White Sox because of La Russa. You heard right. Indians also because they're having some trouble at first base. But I just I stop and think, and, and I mean to me, these are three teams that are right now are playoff contenders and are playoff pushers that you know will probably be there in August. And so I really can only see this guy on a couple of teams. And for me, the teams are the ones that have no shot to even compete this year. Right. Almost like he might bring in some fans. If he gets any milestones, it'll bring eyes to the, to the franchise. And also you're thinking, it doesn't really matter what our record is this year. We're almost okay with tanking. We get a draft pick. Get, try to get a first overall if you're like the Tigers or someone like that. Yes, yep. And so let's just get Albert on the team. He can be a little, add a little bit more to history to the, to his record books. Definitely, and definitely. Maybe it'll bring in some fans, and they can you know have some Albert, uh, Albert farewell tour. I guess. Yeah. It would seem weird to do a farewell no, tour you're with right, you're a right. team that he only was on for a year or less than a year. But, um, Travis, that also kind of trans- transitions into, we kind of we kind of both agree that the best way for this to have happened would have been if Albert announced before the season started, "Hey guys." This is the last year of my contract. And I last dance. And I don't see myself signing another one after this. Uh, based on my current skill set, I want to do what I can to help the Angels. And I'm here to be like a team player, essentially. And, you know, instead what we saw was someone who sort of demanded playing time. And based on his legacy, I understand why he thinks he deserves the playing time. But if you're an Angels team that knows the AL West is wide open... You you just can't. It just doesn't sit right to let a guy who's with a negative output, you know, be a, a starter night, night in night out. So, Travis, what do you think about the way he kind of handled the uh, that uh, the way the way it went down essentially? Yeah, and, and and this is one thing I was really frustrated about because a guy of this you know height and legacy of Albert Pujols and this status of he has, I mean, you look at it as almost higher than like a Derek Jeter or a David Ortiz, and you know they had they had really cool you know, really awesome retirement tours. You saw Big Poppy going to every away stadium and get some sort of, you know, souvenir or prize from every team. Um, same thing with Mario Rivera. I remember the Minnesota Twins gave him a rocking chair full of broke, made of broken bats because that's right. what he was famous for, breaking bats. That cutter. And so it just, it, it pains me so much that we could have had this. He could have he came out to the media, had a press conference, said, I am going to retire this year. It's been one hell of a ride. Um, and I want to help this Angels team. You know, when I came here in 2011 in the offseason and started in 2012, you know, his one goal was I want to bring a championship to Anaheim. And I think this season, if he said I was going to be, you know, I want to be that role player wherever it is, if, if I'm DHing, if I'm pinch hitting, if I am, you know, just in the, the locker room, if I am on the bench, just helping out the young guys, I think that would have been a very nice gesture for Albert. And I think it would have, you know, it would, it would have been, you know, a very, you know, you know, well-treated ending to his career. 
Um, and, and just the way it kind of goes out, because I mean, I, I don't even know if we ever, ever had a player be released with that kind of status like our pools. Right. I mean, the it's it's interesting. I, I did see something about how like Frank Thomas at one point was like, uh, I don't know if they used the term DFA'd back then, but it, it was essentially the same deal where they let uh, Frank Thomas walk. I think at one point Vladimir Guerrero was let go by a team. Um, so it's not like this unprecedented thing, but Albert Pujols kind of being an inner circle Hall of Famer, like a truly, truly like one of one player in baseball history. You can't talk about baseball history without talking about Albert Pujols being like a top two first baseman ever. Um, it, it's 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 real. It's a really uh, it's a it's a huge pickle that the Angels had to deal with, and I just think that you know Perry Manassi and the GM did the right thing. I think that you know this could arguably be Perry's best move of his Angels it, tenure right now. It could now. end up being the most impactful move because the way our pools was playing, he was playing, you know, almost like on a hundred twenty game pace probably. He was not really sitting out games. He was no either playing first base or maybe some DH on a, a night after show a pitch or something like that. And and going into the season, I remember we were talking, we were saying, you know, man, if pools get it, it may, maybe eighty games maybe playing half of the major league season, either DHing or maybe a pinch hit role, a couple of first base spots. But I think me and you both agreed going into the season, Jared Walsh, the way he played last September, he earned that first base oh, spot. Yeah. I mean, and, and just going into the season now, seeing Jared Walsh play right field when he's a first baseman, it was really just like, what do we, why, why are we, why are we having to play this guy? We're sacrificing our game plan just to keep Albert in the mix. We're keep cool. him happy. And, yeah. and, I mean, like I said, and you look, the numbers back it up. You could have added Matt Theis, who's a triple-A player for the Angels in Salt Lake City, and he's been up a couple of times. You could have added him, and he probably would have done a little bit better job. And you know what? Some of these rookies, you might hit a chopper in the infield, but you know that you're trying to make a squad. You're going to run down the line like right. like you're running from a storm. Yeah. And so it, it's just it, it, it was hard to see this kind of guy play the way he did the last five years. and. It's sad it has to come to this ending, but you know what? It we as an Angels and Angels fans, we want to we want to go to the playoffs. That's what we want to. And we knew Pujols is not going to be on a playoff roster, or if he was, we don't know what, what you're thinking. What kind of what kind of role would that actually end up? Being? Exactly. We know he is only good for certain things, and right now it's very little things. And so it, it, it we're, right now we have a focus, and that's we got to go to the playoffs. We got to yeah. we got to win. You know, we got, we got to win a championship, and Pujols is. Not is going to hold us back. Yeah, he he's a he's a player that th- there are still uh, there's still upside in certain aspects of his game. Like we mentioned earlier, super good at avoiding strikeouts. Actually, even though you know he will chase sometimes, uh, he is good at putting the bat on the ball when he when he needs to. Um, he actually has a really good hard hit rate as well. But uh, the fact is, a lot of those end up being like hard grounders to the infielders, um, right into the shift, lots of double plays. The the other kind of interesting thing travis uh is his age which is something we haven't touched on yet and there's tons of rumors and speculation about you know what how old is he actually because i guess coming from the dominican republic at the time it was not too difficult to i guess um you know kind of report the age that you wanted to be considered and travis when you look at the pictures of him when he uh, is like a high schooler how old do you think he actually looked in those pictures this is straight bench warmers Carlos, I am twelve. What we're seeing right now, because I I showed my I showed my dad a couple of days ago about it, and I'm like, Dad, does this guy look like a senior in high school? I mean, he looks like he's twenty five. I mean, he looks like he. I mean, you know, some guys have been shaving for years. When when you have that that 
that facial kind of like definition of like okay this yeah. is you haven't sha- you haven't shaved that peach fuzz for the first time i mean this looks like a grown adult playing in high school and you know what it really could have been you know we we don't right. it could have been a 25 year old i just, i'm just, not even that mature when right. it comes to that look and so yeah you're right it it, it, it is speculation but uh you know the speculation has gotten to a point where if you just kind of look at the way his career trailed off uh, amongst other all-time greats, he kind of hit that like wall where he stopped improving and started declining way earlier than most, probably around the age of like 31, 32. All of a sudden, like he signed with the Angels, the production immediately slowed. And then he hit like the real wall, like around 2015, 16, where he had like almost nothing left in the tank. And He's like, what, 36 years old at that time? That's way too young for the average Hall of Famer to sort of hit that, like, uh, out-of-gas status on his career. So No, definitely, the, definitely. Th- there's lots of, qu- of question marks there, but... He, I, he's I, 41, but I, I think he's 49 or 50. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> I, I, I think he's Satchel Paige Jamie Moyer yeah. going on right now. Uh, it's And the, it, the fact that he was able to stick around this long is a testament to, you know, his great career. But I do think that, you know, the time was not only come, but the time is almost overdue to make this move. I'm glad the Angels kind of had the the guts to go through with it. It really broke Twitter there for a second. Everyone's like, "Wait, wait, this is actually going to happen?" Like, I, I was like, it, I was looking. I'm like, "Is it April 1st?" When I saw the the tweet yeah. by by some of the uh, verified Twitter accounts, and I was like, "Whoa, wait, wait, th- this is actually happening!" Like, yeah, we, wow. I mean, I mean, I was like, something that Billy Epler, the past GM for the Angels, would never consider probably doing. It's just funny that. Perry, the new GM, he kind of has that. He's almost been dealing with that frustration for the past couple of years. He knows that this team has been failing. And I think that I'm glad that finally someone saw it, that what's the key outlier? What's the key element to this team right now? And it's sadly to say it's Albert Pujols. Yeah. It, it, we're, we, we, were, we were playing him. We were making sure that he's happy. But it's almost like we're putting his interest before the teams and the yeah. cities and the organizations. And so seeing the this fans. now... The fan, yeah, the fans. I mean, the last couple of years, and so it's it's sad, it's bittersweet, it's sad, but it is it is it was very needed for for the organization, right? And I do think it is a positive thing that uh, ownership, Artie Moreno, uh, actually, you know, Pools was his guy. There are some guys, there are some signings where it's like, okay, the GM really wanted that guy, and there are some signings where the owner of the Angels, Artie Moreno. Like, that's like, oh, I want this Hall of Famer. I want him to be wearing my logo, my team's logo. I want him to, you know, look, have his career looked at, you know, as an angel. Like, he thought Albert could be his guy. And that goes for some other signings he's had as well. But I think the fact that Artie actually went and listened to the GM when the GM told him, this is not working. This is a very serious problem. It's going to prevent us from making a push in the division. The fact that Artie listened to the GM, a young GM, a first-time GM in Perry Manassian. That's right. I think that's really big. I think it says a lot about Artie hopefully taking a back seat when it comes to, you know, player development, and uh, player acquisitions, trades, free agency. I think letting the front office, you know, bring in fresh minds and bring some youth, uh, some like, I guess, I guess there's some fresh thoughts into the organization. I think that's a really big plus. Um, I think Joe Madden and Artie were honestly probably on the same page about Albert. I think they both still liked them, and I'm glad that I guess Perry's vision won out. Uh, I do think that Perry uh, has some work to do. I do think that 
you know, some of the other acquisitions that have been made have not worked out as great. Uh, I'm looking at certain guys like Kurt Suzuki, Travis, who we've both been critical of recently. There's been videos of him trying to, you know, not really trying, more like failing to frame a ball. Like there's been strikes where he'll just drag. Sometimes, sometimes even catching a ball. He'll catch the ball in the strike zone and his glove will trail away from the zone and he'll get called the ball in, in, in high leverage spots. And it's like, okay, well, that just earns Shoei Otani another walk. Comparing him to what Max Stassi does, who is an all time great, well, not all time great, but just right now in the league, he's elite, elite top 5% framer. Defense is great. And as, and, you know, as a catcher, you know, some people want to go more of the offensive catcher. They want more of a great hitting catcher. For me, I've always thought that if you can have a really good defensive catcher, that's going to really save games because your pitching staff is going to have a lot more confidence in, you know, yeah. throwing balls uh, 58 feet instead of, you know, 60 feet and, you know, kind of, you know, bouncing curveballs in front of home plate. I think having a defensive catcher really does a lot better. And maybe he's just a 190 hitter and just an awful you know, eight, nine hitter for your team. But I think that having the defense for the catcher is one of the most important positions right. out of all nine on the field. And I would still argue that Max Stassi is a better hitter than Kurt Suzuki. But, you know, oh, it, I, I, I would. I think you are spot on yeah. correct. And if someone disagreed, uh, we need to have that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, yeah. So like we were saying, uh, certain signings like Kurt Suzuki have not worked out amazingly. Quintana has had some really bad luck, but at the same time, he's not gotten deep into a game yet. Uh, Alex Cobb has shown signs of promise. He's had some good outings, but then there's been other outings where, you know, maybe it's five runs through like four or something like that. It's, you know, not putting us in the best spot. Uh, at the end of the day, I think if Manassian is able to, uh, one, if he's able to spend some money in the offseason and really bring in some, you know, obviously you want to get the guys who are like sneaky good for cheap. That's always a great thing to build up an organization. At the same time, we're going to need to make some sort of signing or trade before we can really be a real threat to win any you know meaningful playoff series or something like that so um i'm looking forward to the fact that manassian is hopefully being allowed to i guess make his own thoughts you know outside of what Artie Moreto might think or joe madden might think i think it's important to have a good uh, you know a, a fresh vision in the organization because the last decade has not been amazing to be an angel fan um and, and one thing i was i was listening to on a sports radio show earlier the week that they were saying that you know the last 10 years zero playoff wins for the Angels. And I think right. one thing they're saying, there's one common denominator about this all, and it, it is the Angels owner, Artie Moreno. You know, yeah, he has kind of been the main guy. And a lot of stories that we've seen, you know, when you think back to the, the before 2020, canceling the trade to bring Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling to the Angels and sending one of our backup, you know, middle infielders, Luis Renjifo, to the Dodgers. And a lot of fans were saying, holy cow, we have, we have a left fielder now who has a power lefty bat, and we got a, a starting pitcher in Ross Stripling who is not that bad. And so we're like, and we're only giving up our, our backup middle infielder, Luis Renjifo. Yeah, someone who plays rarely at this point. Yep, and, and, and then even looking back at some of the other, you know, I think some of the other big deals in previous off-seasons, I know Garrett Cole's a big one. I know Artie didn't want to go ahead and give him an extra year with a little more money, and so the Yankees ended up winning that deal. And I think a lot of... I will say it, a lot of Angel fans, I think, are really hurting that deal right now because of Garrett Cole the last two years has been... Continued dominance, has really. Been, has been dominating, and, and that's what we needed the past three to four off-seasons. And we see these GMs come in, and they leave, but there's still that one there's still that one authoritarian figure who's still pushing the buttons, and it's Artie Moreno. And so that's one thing that we need to, that we need to see. You know, I'm not saying change, but we need to see a GM like Perry start to say, let me, let me, make, let me call the shots now. Right. Your I, time is coming gone. 
your plan has not worked out. And so right now, let me take control and, and run this team like it I, needs to be I, ran. I think that's key. I think that this almost kind of marks, you know, obviously marks the end of an era in terms of Albert Pujols, uh, no longer being an angel, career possibly over. We'll see if someone can give him a shot. But um, at the end of the day, it seems like it's a new era for the Angels franchise, not only because Albert Pujols' departure, but also because maybe it's a symbolic departure of Artie Moreno sort of having his fingerprints over, over a lot of the operations. It'd be really awesome to see Perry be able to spend the money that uh, needs to be spent to win a championship and also be able to make the decisions uh, throughout the organization from from a, a level of development in the farm system is super important all the way up to the big signings and the big uh, the big fish that we need to catch in order to in the offseason in order to, in order to make a big splash. So uh, I, I'm excited for the future for the Angels. Uh, they've, you know, having a good season against a good series against the Dodgers right now. Uh, big game uh, today in, in actually just about 10 minutes. 10 minutes, yeah. start. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. We're gonna, we got to face Bauer. That should be kind of exciting. Um, I, I'm excited to be an Angel an angel fan. I think that Albert, you know, thanks for the thanks for the 10 years, but it didn't go the way any of us really thought. Um, and that's okay. Uh, wish him the best, but uh, I think we're in a better spot right now than we were uh, a couple weeks ago. What do you think, Travis? I definitely think so. Getting a guy like Jared Walsh to play everyday first base is going to be a major increase on the defensive side, on the base running side, and especially on the hitting side. Because right now he's hitting, yeah. uh, you know, like 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 one of the top players in the AL right now, at least. And and the fact that we are moving Walsh to full time first base instead of right field, it just means that we get more uh more reps for Lagares, more reps for a guy like Taylor Ward who was called up, Travis. I'll say this. We were we were both calling for Ward to get called up sooner than later. And at one point in the middle of last week, I told you if if Madden does not call up Taylor Ward this week, I'm gonna make a stink about it on the pod. I'm gonna say <laughs> something. And he finally got called up. His average isn't there yet. He's played what, like three games maybe. But his first hit was a home run. His first hit was a home run. Yep. He he contributed to the rally last night. Madden's had him bunt twice so far in two of his at bats, and one was a sacrifice. I think Madden just kinda hates him. I don't, I don't know. One was a sacrifice <laughs> and one was a, a, a ground out essentially because it was a fielder's choice, I guess you could say. Um, and we're and losing 13 nothing. We're losing 13-0, and Madden calls for Taylor Ward to bunt, and that just, to me, says, okay, some people may cry about, like, oh, that's like a un- that's an unspoken rule of baseball. Well, I'm going to take it a different direction. I think it's a terrible baseball play because what is that run sacrifice going to help you? You're down 13-0. to You need to get runs, not a run in. You need yeah. to get hit after hit after hit, not a sacrifice guy to second. Why, why are you playing Taylor Ward if you don't want to let him swing? But anyways, he did hit a home run, and he contributed to the rally last night to make the game interesting again. I think Ward is, you know, is he going to be the game changer for the team? I don't think so. But is he going to be better than our pools? I think there's going to be a lot more production from Ward to come. Or at least guys like him, you know. And, and, tons and of candidates for that right field spot. And one small play, and I keep on going back to this, but one small play I saw, I think, on Thursday's game against the Rays. Walsh hit a chopper to shortstop, and... He was actually able to beat it out. And th- just something like that, you watch and you say, that would have never happened if that was our pools. If right. he hits the ball in the infield, the team that is playing defense has almost all the time in the world to just make the play, get it, get it cleanly, throw it to first. There's no, there's no contended base running with him right now. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because Pools is obviously a very competitive guy. He does want to win. There's not a question about that. But the thing is, his interest might lie more in like his personal, you know, achievements. All that aside, like you said, if he hits a ground ball, 
every single time without fail, he's walking out of it practically. He's jogging it out, but he's actually walking it out. It's so it's it, he's not putting any pressure on the defense to make a play. And then on the other side of things, someone will hit a someone hit a deep fly ball to left field, and he'll try to tag up going to second. Oh, that was cringeworthy. I, I feel like he wants to be like on the like on the you know ESPN top ten. He, he's he's an old dog trying to be young again. Yeah, it because <laughs> he'll, he'll randomly steal a bag, which is always impressive. He gets a really huge jump because the pitcher's not giving him any respect at all, not respecting his secondary lead because he's out of pools. He's not fast. He's one of the slowest players in the league, and so he'll steal a bag randomly and he'll get on the highlight reels and people people you know people love it in the media and I get why they love it, but then. When he messes up and he tries to tag up going to second, he ends up getting tagged out. All of a sudden, Albert, we could have had one out, man on first, and we're down by two. A home run. You get two chances for a guy to hit a home run to tie the game. Instead, you're, you're tagging up to second, and you're get, that, that, you almost don't really count as a run. We need two runs. We need you on base so we yes. can drive you in and themselves in. Anyways, l- long story short with Albert, you know, we felt like he was, he was putting an effort in the wrong places at the wrong times. Uh, I think yeah, I think his the arrow the arrow is is about due to be over, and I think you know the Angels have still have a lot to prove this season. I think that you know guys like Trout, um, guys like Walsh, Otani, Fletcher, I think they're all ready to you know make a push. I hope that Madden kind of sorts out that sorts out that uh, right field spot, and we get some contributions from new faces. And I guess I'll just say that I'm excited. I think that you know Angels can kind of put their foot in the gas now and not worry about playing a guy who was always kind of a, a little dark spot in the lineup. No, definitely. I, I like that we're getting we're getting younger and we have, you know, some of those younger guys coming into the game, into the lineup. Um I think it's 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 gonna be you know it's kind of a surprise these past couple of days because the players are probably still kind of shocked. They're not, you know, they don't have this guy, especially I mean Trout. Trout's been with the Angels his whole career and it, our pools has always been there. Yep. And so uh it's gonna be, you know, kind of a kind of a thing to kind of deal with, but I think that they'll be just fine. Um right now, you know, of course, you know, had a Playing the two World Series, can, you know, teams this this past week, so it's been a little bit of a rough week. Um, especially the Rays series was uh, was pretty rough, and then of course Dodgers. Uh, Friday was great, was fun. Last night was was half the game was completely awful, and yeah, just a I, kicking my own ass. Yeah. And then we just have this insane rally when you got Juan Lagares, Taylor Ward, and John Jay playing your outfield, and we score 11 runs. And it, it yeah, I, I think I saw a stat, and it said the first three innings, both teams, no hits. The score was 0-0. Zero to zero. Fourth and fifth inning, Dodgers were favored 11-0. And then sixth and seventh inning, Angels were favored, was it 11-1? It's like, that is such an insane, like, swinging game. Like, it went from a pitcher's duel to a Dodgers slaughter to a Angels slaughtering the Dodgers bullpen, and then ends up being a three point win, a three run win for the Dodgers. Um, tonight is sort of the swing game. It's a one one series. Yep, it should be exciting. Yep. We have Bauer versus Quintana, I believe. Quintana, yep. Uh, yep. I decided to go watch that. It's about three minutes away, so I think it's almost time to wrap this up and go watch. Most definitely, most definitely. But yeah, it, it, it'll it, you know, as Angel fans, it'll get better. You know, had a little rough stretch, a little rough week, but we'll get back on track. I just know we will. Um, and I know by next week we, you know, we'll probably have a different conversation. Um, I, know, I think this week we, we actually go back to Houston and play the Astros. So that at least be exciting to get back, um, back out there. And we've, we've been playing them quite a lot. And so um, looking forward to that. But uh, so far, you know, six weeks pretty much into the season and uh, already seeing some pitching perfection. And we're already seeing Hall of Famers being released. So, yeah, a lot's uh, going on. A lot's a lot. going on. A lot's going to happen. So, yep. 
definitely, uh, definitely more to look forward to. And uh, thank you again for listening in, guys. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>